Hey everyone, how you doing out there? Yeah, I know, I'm sure, like me, you probably feel kind of like shit today, right? The stress is outrageous. The needle is pinned all the way in the red. And it's probably going to stay like that all week long. Yeah! But here's the thing. We can help make each other have a better day. And here's how I want you to do that. Do me a favor and reach out to three people today. If you're feeling good, the great thing is that you can help other people in your life feel a little bit better. If you're feeling bad which chances are you are, because the stress is fucking insane right now, reach out anyway, because guess what? Everyone else is feeling a fucked up kind of way too. And we can help each other to feel better. And communication has been tough during this time, right? Like many things. But we gotta just battle through, particularly this week. And the great thing is, right, that after this election, we're gonna have a new president. It's got to happen that way, all right? Time is up for that fucking pig and his nightmare and it's gotta go it's gotta end and we're gonna make it end by doing what that's right it's by voting which i've been doing you've been doing we are doing we are voters yes right how many more ways can we say it i don't know but we'll try because we're voting and you're voting and we are voters yes and we're a sophisticated crowd and that's what sophisticated people do because it's time to end the fucking nightmare okay We're close, and it's going to happen. It is going to happen. So speak that into the universe. Get that energy out there. In addition to the voting you're doing, say it out loud. And we're going to get into my chat with Casey in a second, but I also want to just remind you about patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. That is the place that you can go to to join Hot Dog Club. And why do you want to join Hot Dog Club? Well, there are so many reasons. You got bonus episodes, listener questions episodes, movie club episodes, weekly hot dog club Zoom meetups, which are now on Sundays every week, in case Monday was difficult for you before. And also now on the dollar tier, that gets you access to the brand new episodes of Live from Lockdown, which might be changed to during this time. Depends how we feel. But during this time is appropriate because, of course, never have I said and never will I say during this time more than when? During this time. So head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and friends, sign on up to the reward tier that works best for you, support the show and get lots of great stuff and plenty of fabulous things. Also, please make sure you subscribe on your podcast app or follow on Spotify and rate and review the show. Of course, the five star option is the most sophisticated option. And as we've discussed, you are a sophisticated crowd. We are a sophisticated crowd of voters who vote blue. Now it's time to talk to Casey my first in-person taping since february we were socially distanced we were safe and it was a delight to be in the same room with another person so without any further ado it's time to hear me and casey chatting the other day at his residence in hollywood your presidential campaign is in a different presidential campaign has definitely changed yes i have not stopped Uh running for president sure i got a lot of flack for it right what kind of flack um well you know a lot of people have been very you know they don't want me to split the vote sure which i'm like you guys seriously do you think i'm gonna split the vote and also from the beginning you've been saying no matter how well we do please don't vote for me absolutely i was always like do not vote for me i mean i really was kind of recently on twitter somebody was like they sent a they sent a message and they were like i can't wait to vote for you and i I, it's a little unnerving especially after kanye's run sure yeah and seeing people his campaign his advertising and people actually posting that they're writing signing him in as a write-in candidate 
So I've been very clear, like, please, 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 please do not, do not, do not vote for me. Do right. not write me in. Don't even, this is, this is, this is total art. Yeah. I am just using it as a, I'm using it as a, uh, how do I just like a narrative frame to like b- build a body of work. Sure. It's a conceptual piece. My thesis is I'm processing the trauma of the current political landscape by enacting a fantasy of the most liberated candidate possible. Right. And that links to my OnlyFans. When you first thought of doing OnlyFans, what was your thought? I was definitely concerned because I wanted to make sure that it was it fell into kind of the artistic framework mm-hmm. and the conceptual arc of the whole project. Right. And so I that I felt like I was able I was going to be able to make that more clear in directing, you know, like a big budget porn, not just like shooting stuff on my phone and sharing it. Sure. Um, but as the world, you know, took its course, imploded, yeah. and I felt that I really needed to make this idea clear of being like pointing a finger at the patriarchy and the uh, hypocrisy of these men in power that are hiring prostitutes and paying off Stormy Daniels and the Russian piss tapes and yeah. Jeffrey Epstein and all the underage, who knows, sex trafficking, sure. all that bullshit. I wanted to be someone that was sexual, that was proud of it, yeah. totally comfortable, and uh, you know, th- there was no shame. And so, because right. basically repression and shame are these horrible attributes in society that people use to manipulate and, you know, destroy people. Sure. So I wanted to be a presidential candidate that wasn't like this long history of like straight white men that are having affairs with Marilyn Monroe and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. And, and then hypocritically. Yeah. Uh, and then hypocritically like holding a Bible right. and acting like they're somehow immune to desire and pleasure. Yeah. So how many videos are up on OnlyFans right now? How many explicit videos? Well, we can uh, break it down into categories. Sure. <laughs> How many explicit videos are on? There are a couple. There are a mm-hmm. couple. There's some. You gave a teaser on Twitter, right? I gave a tweet. I, I gave a tweezer. Yeah. There's a couple. <laughs> there's some oral. There's some anal. Um, and when we talked last time about you directing the porn, you were still sort of on the fence as to whether or not you would be a participant in the thing. So that's yeah. that's obviously changed. So that was a big shift. And I guess it was because um, when I came to Hollywood, um, I started hanging out with a lot of porn stars. Mm-hmm. I didn't anticipate it, but it's just kind of, I'm very good at when I go to a different city, I sort of con- kind of connect with whatever the indigenous culture is. Yeah. So Paris was very fashion, you know, Berlin is very music and LA is very porn star. Sure. So all of a sudden, all my friends, amazing, creative, incredible people yeah. that are also making a lot of money doing Amateur porn. Sure. So I got a lot of coaching you mm-hmm. know, from people like Kyle Kupras. Okay. Kyle was like, yeah. just do it. Sure. He was like, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And how did it feel after you did the first clip and posted it? Um, actually, I did it in this room, I think, with um, my roommate Cindy Green and Jamie. And it was just stills. I was just posting, you know, just photography. Sure. Which is basically, I mean, if you're gay and you're you're sharing pictures all the time with people, right. and literally, I've been sharing explicit photos with people 
if direct messages on Instagram, I would say solidly for the past five years. Yeah. So you've had a lot of practice. In so getting that yeah, right. so I'm yeah. like, I've done a lot of editing. I've done a lot of shoots. I've done a lot of sharing. So it wasn't really that much of a leap. Sure. I'm going to find a way to document and exhibit the uh, social media work. And I think the one that's the most profound and timely and to me, it's like a perfect work. So Christopher Sherman took these uh, sexy pictures of me and I've made a lot of sexual work that doesn't have any, there's no word. It's very difficult to show. Sure. It's difficult to show online. It's impossible to show online. Well, and even your work in the uh, campaign for Sir was difficult to get noticed or included in pride uh, events. Yes, yeah, yeah. There was I was it was difficult to do performances because of the again kind of the patriarchal control of prides. So again, it's like I kind of end up in this fight against the patriarchy. Now, do you feel that having the forum of OnlyFans is a great way to get away from say like labels and structures that are outside your control in order to put your art out yeah it's cool it's actually it's an it's a great place for me to put i've been putting some more uh, archival i mean things that i've made within the past three to four years i should be posting more i'll admit but it's tough because it's like i've been i was busy this week with finishing two music videos Mm -hmm. Um, but like you know here's this really cool shoot that i did um with this uh artist named fabio damota who does like S&M stuff from Brazil. And so there was no place for this work to live. Yeah, And so that was a great thing to be able to include. And then fan art, where Mm -hmm. they're taking the Spooner 2020 logo and mixing it with their nudes. Sure. Which is fun. And so it was great to be able to like put this someplace. There's nowhere to like put this. Right. It's kind of like Patreon, essentially. Yeah, for, I, everyone had told me to do Patreon, but I kind of like the more illicit nature of OnlyFans. Now, people probably are going to show up and be like, but you know, we have, there we have a moment in Rio. Yeah. and That's a good title for that, if that clip. Well, actually, the title is The President is Such a Thirsty Bottom. <laughs> Hashtag Spooner 2020. <laughs> and then this is like erotic photography with Kyle Kupras, mm-hmm. with him dressed as like my secret service and me you know, with a shirt and a tie, but no pants on. Right, sort of business casual. Business casual yeah. with my, but that's sort of like the fantasy is like, of course the president, if he was, you know, cool, he would be like hooking up with this fierce secret service. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Listen, you got to spend a lot of time together. Why not make it the most enjoyable time possible? And then this was like, you know, the big, uh, this was the portrait of a uh, erection that I did. Mm-hmm. Like 10 years ago, but I used it as the uh, limited edition cover for Sir. Oh, okay. And then also showed the original photograph in a gallery in, in, uh, the, in Cologne at the art fair. Now, you're doing a big gallery exhibition, right, in France? I'm doing an exhibition in Paris. Oh, this is the piece that I think is the most... This is, to me, I think this is the maybe the most successful piece that will come out of this presidential... One of them. But this is the picture from Christopher... Oh, yes. Sherman. Okay. Yeah. I've and then that. it's yeah. titled Grab Him by the Pussy. Mm-hmm. It's the only time I've ever, I never say the president's name. I avoid saying the president's name. And I've never tweeted at the president. Right. Um, but I tweeted at the president, Grab Him by the Pussy, included this picture of me with my ass up, looking yeah. fierce. 
and hashtag Spooner 2020. And then I included the quote of him, the original quote from whatever entertainment tonight or whatever. Right, right. The leak audio. Say, the leak about grabbing by the pussy on the four year anniversary of that. I see. Yeah. Tape leak. Sure. So to me, that's like a perfect portrait of contemporary politics, entertainment, sexuality, mm-hmm. you know. And everything all, together. It's all there. Yeah. So I would make that into some sort of a Richard Prince-esque giant print mm-hmm. and exhibit that. Or it's going to be a great page in a book. Sure. Either way, you could do both, actually. Actually, yeah, let's do both. Now, what's the deal? What's going on with the gallery show? Because you the were gallery show in Paris from... has been troubled because, you know, uh, there's a travel ban because uh, the pandemic has been mishandled in our country. Sure. So uh, there are something like 174 countries we aren't allowed to enter. So I wrote a letter to the consulate. I thought I was going to be able to get in. I had an artist visa, but the visa expired in June. And I could have extended the visa if I was in France, but I couldn't enter France to extend the visa. Sure. So I was hoping that I would be be able to get into France specifically for this exhibition and then go to the consulate and try to extend once I was within the country. But basically, there's some space. Uh, I was supposed to be setting up campaign headquarters in Paris. Oh, okay. I love the idea of like headquarters not even being in the United States. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Um, But I couldn't enter. So there's right now, it's basically uh, a storefront with posters in the window that are campaign posters and different interpretations of a presidential portrait. Okay. Um, So there's a handful of portraits in the window because also basically everything's in lockdown in Paris. You know, only six people are allowed to gather at a time. It just doesn't make sense to even pay someone to sit in this empty gallery space where no one can see anything. So um, it's turning into more of a street campaign, I would say. And it's in the window. And I'm trying to each week add something new that can be seen from the street. Right. Um, Because all the folks that were working with you before the pandemic, that whole team is sort of splintered. Yeah, everyone's gone. Sure. Basically. But you wanted to maintain the... Well, I got, yeah, I mean, I have, I've made the work and the, oh, there's a lots of contributing art. I mean, there's like a list of like different 30 different artists that have either done film or photography or some sort of related piece, typography design, illustration. Yeah. Drawing, painting, there's a whole, basically there's an entire exhibition. Because uh, it's kind of what I do when I make an album. There's there's all this related artwork. So the last album had two museum shows. This was meant to be like the gallery show that was in conjunction with, and there were supposed to be other additional uh, gallery shows around the world in conjunction with the presidential album. So a lot changed when the pandemic hit, of course, for everyone. But you were going to be doing something with your life where you spent half the year in Brazil and half the year in Berlin. Yes. I was very happy living abroad, and I was not planning to be back in the United States because the political landscape was causing me a great deal of anxiety. So I felt really comfortable being an expat in Europe. And how long were you in Paris for? Two years. In a weird way, it's kind of interesting that the universe forced me to live in the United States and stay in the United States through this election. Right. Because I was even supposed to be in Paris like 
running campaign. And it's like, no, no, you're not going <laughs> to enter. You're definitely staying in the U.S. Yeah, and staying and, in L.A. And staying in L.A. And the thing that I do like about it is because the big thesis about this project is how um, news and politics and entertainment have all converged into one thing. And so it makes sense that, of course, I would be continuing to run for president from Hollywood. Right. And I'm still getting work done, which is pretty amazing because there are so many amazing creative people here. And so we're still shooting music videos. We're still moving forward with the release. I have got 14 songs. Mm -hmm. I've only been able to release three. So, or have four? Wait, Spooner 2020. I love my problems. The most American thing. A Victor. And now the most American thing is kind of in a sort of release now. Right. Um, so it hasn't gone live on the streaming platforms, but finished the video and it's on OnlyFans. And so I'm sort of trying a new strategy where I'll put new material on OnlyFans first. Sure. Let it live there for a certain period. And then it got, it expands to a broader audience. If there is something that has a sexual nature or it is explicit, I can put it there. And, you know, I had trouble with the top Brazil video and YouTube, and they wanted to ban the top Brazil video, even right. though it's not explicit sure. because it was homoerotic. They, again, said it was vulgar. And there's like a, you know, you it, there's a, uh, what do you call it at the beginning where it says like you have to be 18 to see this. Oh, right, right. A disclaimer or whatever. So I've had trouble with all these large platforms like Instagram and YouTube. And even the music video for The Most American Thing isn't overtly political and it isn't overtly sexual and i recently posted it on you know i announced the release on instagram in my stories and it it got um censored oh really yeah the post got taken down that's so bizarre because there's really nothing nothing at all at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so someone speculated that it was because I had used the Biden-Harris hashtag, maybe. Oh, okay. But that doesn't make sense. Like, you can't right. censor, you know, it's like me in a dress on a motorcycle. Right. Doing, like, a performance poetry about... Maybe the motorcycle know. lobby or something. Who knows? I don't... So anyway, OnlyFans feels like a nice place because it actually feels like a safe place where I can share everything and actually get paid for it, too. Right. Because it's like all these other giant, like, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram are all making money off of everyone's free content. Right. Right now, it's a good venue, and I like... It is it is kind of like I'm doing Patreon, but... Yeah, right, know, but... Slightly saucier because Patreon, I think they do limit sexual content. Oh, do they? I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, I just didn't make sense. And I had to have a, this kind of like a point a finger at the sexual hypocrisy. Sure. And it's also, that's also, uh, OnlyFans is taking root with a lot of the drag queens. And, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, quite a few of them. I know Katya has one now. Right. And uh, Shea Coulee and a number of. Yeah. Uh, Adore Delano. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's sort of taking root. You know, I don't follow drag. Have you seen Violet recently? I've seen her a little bit, but not a lot. She's been busy doing her tours and sure. doing her yeah. thing. Now, let's get back to the Hollywood thing. Mm. When when did you land here? I arrived in Hollywood May mid-May. Prior to that, you were in South Carolina. I was in South Carolina with my family when uh, the European borders closed. So I went and moved uh, in with my best friend from high school and his family and hung out with my family for two months in the extremely conservative South. 
sleeping in your high school bed. Yes, it was a traumatic experience to go from being a jet set Rio international superstar to being locked into quarantine in uh, my former high school bed. Right. And you probably had a little bit of identity crisis happening. Yeah, which was just like, what the hell is happening? You know, like, I mean, in a way, it was kind of amazing because I left my Paris apartment, put everything in storage, had gone to Brazil to celebrate my 50th. And if I had kept an apartment somewhere in Europe and all my things were there and they weren't packed up and I had gotten locked out, it would have been really difficult. So right. in a strange way, everything was so neatly it was it couldn't have happened more actually everything happened kind of in this wonderfully streamlined way yeah my family was freaking out and i hadn't been home for you know i don't spend a lot of time there and they were very concerned about my safety in brazil so i came back and i could tell they also just were not sympathetic or um they just needed me near and so mm -hmm. I went and spent some time there as much as I could. And then after two months, I was like, look, I got, I'm not going to get anything done here. You know, it's like, I have to be where creative people are and sure. where creative industry is in order to like keep releasing this album. So what was the dynamic like when you were with your family? Because you had uh, indicated to me that maybe they weren't taking the pandemic as seriously in some respects as you were. Yeah, they weren't. I mean, everyone was kind, they weren't into masks, they weren't into social distancing. And so when I showed up wearing a mask and trying to social distance, because I had also just come from Carnival in Brazil, where there yeah. was a lot of exposure to a lot of different people. You know, everyone thought I was a little bit nuts. Um, it's just really hard for me to go home because I my family just has no uh, context or understanding of anything that I do still. Still. Wow. Still. Yeah. And so, you know, at one point my dad was like, he literally was like, do you think you're successful? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Right. And I think for them, it's just like the things that I've, I've chosen to do with my life, they can't, I don't have kids. I don't own a house. I don't have a car. I don't have a job. Right. And th they just do not understand if you don't have those things, like what do you have? Sure. Of right. meaning. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my dad was like, do you think you're successful? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm really, I'm the most successful person in our family, actually. <laughs> Sure. They just cannot get it. And he was like, well, what do you think you've done that's, you know, so great? And I was like, uh, toured the world, made five albums, made three books. Right. You know, in litigation with a major somebody about something that I can't talk about because I signed something. But it seemed to have worked out okay. But it seemed to have worked out okay, but I can't say anything about it because somebody signed something. <laughs> <laughs> you know i was like so yeah kind of maybe i'm doing okay yeah yeah you know yeah. that must have been relief when the thing that you can't talk about sorted out uh yeah that was yeah that was good especially in the midst of all this craziness yeah it was nice that that's done and that's over with because it must have been also strange to be posed that question while you're living in the basement in your high school bed you don't really want to be presented with that kind of almost challenge to your being yeah Exactly. By family as well, which is, has yeah. an extra level of uh, loadedness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, 
thankfully, my self-esteem, you know, even though it was damaged and tar- tarnished, and I would say I was in a very vulnerable place, feeling confused about, you know, what happened to my life and was I, what was going to happen, you know, because I, I was almost like terrified that I was going to be trapped. Right, you like know, this would be back, it forever. Yeah, I was like, shit, maybe, am, am I going to somehow like be trapped in South Carolina forever now? Sure. I was like, this is nuts. Um, well, especially when the predictions for when things would get sort of back on track or quote unquote normal again yeah. seemed to be pushed farther and farther. And then people were just like, we did, we have no idea. And to my friend's credit, Cindy Green, she really like, she swooped in. And sort she of was like, you back and reminded you yeah, we you were. were in touch, but she was just like, you need to get out of there. Yeah. She was like, time's up. You got to come to Hollywood. And tell everyone about Cindy Green, if they might Cindy not know. Cindy is one of my oldest friends. I've known her since college. Um, we actually didn't get along in college. Apparently, she didn't like me at all. Um, <laughs> but there's a funny little story. I was actually on tour with a band. And I think, I can't remember what year it was. The band got dropped from their label. I was on tour selling t-shirts. And we were on tour and we ended up in Chicago and Cindy doesn't actually remember this. And we were out at a club or a bar. And I said, well, I guess I'm going to jump off this tour because this label, this band just got dropped from their label. Um, but I don't have my house keys to get into my apartment. And Cindy said, I actually have your house keys. I've been shooting a film in your apartment. <laughs> and so at a bar, she just happened to have my house keys. And then I had yeah. my keys and then I could. So that's one of my earliest memories of Cindy and I. And then when I moved to New York, um, I ended up accidentally calling Cindy and then she helped me get my first job in New York and I ended up living with her mm-hmm. in New York for a period of time. And then while I was living with her, I started Fisher Spooner and she joined in as one of the vocalists and she was on the first album and we like toured the world together. So we have this long, amazing history. And then she started her own clothing line called Libertine and now she's doing interior design. And so anyway, we've known each other for a really long time. She was like, listen, I'm in this house in Hollywood. All my roommates have taken off. You know, I've got this huge house. I don't want to be here by myself. Please, 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 you know, come to Hollywood. Yeah. And we, we kind of walked, we talked it through too. She was like, okay, well, you don't want to go to New York now and you can't go to Europe and you can't stay in South Carolina and you're not going to go back to Brazil. Right. So where are you going to go? And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to go to Hollywood. And then when you got to Hollywood, you spent a fair amount of time at the Chateau Marmont. I did. We quarantined for the first week. They were very nice. Um, they, I love Bungalow 4, and I've been staying there for 20 years, and so they were super cool. I emailed the website because I literally was like, okay, if I have to quarantine anywhere, where do I want to quarantine? And I was like, I'll quarantine at the Chateau. Yeah. The Chateau. And <laughs> As it's called. For it's those called the Chateau not. now. I don't know if you know that's the actual pronunciation. If you stay there, you say Chateau. Um, and so I was like, you know, I want a pool, a gym, a little yard, mm, something where I can like, you know, be in this like sanatorium, yeah. but have some activities in isolation. And initially they were like, pool's closed, nobody can use the pool. And I was like, well, if I can't use the pool, then I, you know, I'll stay somewhere else. Yeah. And they were like, no, 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 no. They were like, never mind. They were like, we will, you, you can have exclusive access to the pool, but it's not heated. Oh, wow. And I was like, wait, what? And they were like, yeah, you will have the pool all to yourself. And I was like, okay. And then um, 
And I said, well, you know, what about the gym? And they were like, well, the gym's closed. And then I was like, mm, yeah, really? And they were like, you know what? Actually, you'll get a key. You'll have the pool to yourself and the gym to yourself. Wow. And then I told Cindy that, and she was like, bitch, I'm moving in with you. Mm-hmm. She was like, I don't care. I'm t- I don't care if you're quarantining. I'm quarantining with you. Yeah. So then we quarantined together. And then by the time we got there, the pool was actually open to the 10 people that mm-hmm. were there. And the gym was kind of ours. I liked it because basically it was empty. Sure. And it had this kind of eerie, like kind of the shining or being on the Titanic or something. Yeah. Felt like we were the last bastion of like fading civilization. So it was kind of a cute way. I was like, well, if I'm going down, you know, at least I'm going down in style. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was nice and they were very generous and they're very supportive of artists and it was really uh, a nice place to be for a period. But at a certain point, you know, Cindy was just like, I've got this house. I hate it. You know, why don't we go look at it? And then she brought me here. And I was like, Cindy, like the, this is amazing. Yeah. It's quite a lovely. Yeah. And so then I think she just was not happy because she, she didn't, it just didn't feel good because she was alone. Sure. Yeah. Anywhere can feel lousy like that. And then we got here and started playing house and rearranging and, you know, having a fire in the fireplace and, Grocery shopping and cooking and all that. Well, and cooking, you're doing a lot of cooking. You're feeding the homeless, right? I've been cooking. I cook every Sunday at um, Hollywood Food Coalition with my friend Will Lemon, uh, cooking for the unhoused. The unhoused, forgive me. The unhoused is what what you're supposed to say now. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I hate cooking and I hate cleaning, but... um, Do you have to do the cleaning as well? I don't have to do the cleaning, thankfully. I don't have to clean those big pots. but And I just do what Will says. And mostly it's like being a sous chef. Okay. I just chop things and stir things. Mm -hmm. But I am kind of learning from him how to cook. Any uh, dishes in particular? Um lentil soup what's the thing that he made he's just also just showing me technically how to chop Uh which is pretty interesting like i for some reason like chopping peppers always irritates me and he showed me how you when you chop a pepper you just cut all the way around the outside and leave the center yeah um he tried to show me how to cut a potato really fast today but it's a trick where you put the knife against your knuckles Uh and then you push with your thumb you push the half the potato past your knuckles and the knife the blade is against your knuckles okay sure i did not get very good at that my (laughs) potato wouldn't slide i just i'm fine i don't need to i actually kind of nicked my fingernails well knife skills they take a little while to get the knife skills take a while yeah i'm sure you'll you'll uh, get the hang of it it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Going to take a moment out from the show not to talk about another sponsor. Going to talk about the big sponsor, Hot Dog Club. That's right, Hot Dog Club, which you can join at patreon.com slash craigandfriends. It's like OnlyFans without the sex. And what do you get there? You get lots and lots of bonus content. But you know what? It's time to get back to the show and the part of the conversation where we talk about the reemergence of Emerge thanks to Westworld. When we announced the breakup of Fisher Spooner in November, all of a sudden... Uh, we started getting all these sync requests because it got some publicity. And so I think all of a sudden people who were doing like music supervision, we kind of popped up on their radar. Sure. So there was a French TV show. There was Westworld. There was like three sure. different sync licenses that came through in um, January, like December and January. And I approve them, but a lot of times you will approve licenses and syncs and they don't happen. Mm -hmm. So I usually just blanket, just approve everything. And then some things happen and some things don't. And then Westworld confirmed. And also you can be licensed and then it's like, it's in a weird scene or it's in the background or it's not noticeable, you know? Yeah, it's, like it's on no a big car deal. radio that's passing by. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, you, I don't even know. And they send you all this paperwork that sort of breaks down like in the scene and this is the dialogue and they try to like sell you and also explain the situation, but I usually just don't read it and just approve it anyway. <laughs> sure, right, why not? Anyway, Emerge was used in the finale episode and the final scene of this last season of Westworld mm -hmm. and it, and it aired on Easter. And so I was in South Carolina, you know, locked in the basement, freaking out. And, you know, my family asking me, do I, do I think I'm a success? Right. And trying to explain to them that like, I have actually done things with my life that are cool. Mm hmm. It was a Sunday night, I think. And then all of a sudden, it was like I started getting text messages and all this stuff started happening. And people were freaking out because it was really amazing placement yeah. in the episode. Yeah. And so that was really cool. And then Did even, you show that to your family by any chance? Well, I didn't even have to. That's what was so cool okay. is my dad, my uncle contacted my dad and told him. That's and even so better, yeah. I, that I can't tell them I'm successful. It has to come from like a third an uncle. party. Yeah. It has to come from yeah. a third party. Yeah. And so it came from my uncle Charles, which my dad, you know, I told him on Monday, I was like, Oh my God, this amazing thing happened. The song was used in this TV show, blah, blah, blah. Didn't really stick. Yeah, right. Then by Thursday, dad was like, Oh my God, uncle Charles called and said that your song was at the end of the show on HB. And I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I, Mm -hmm. I told you that, <laughs> and then I told you that again, 
And so, yeah. But the thing that was cool about it that was really interesting is by Wednesday of that week, I got an email from a former manager who lived in Australia. She was like, Casey, you know, uh, Emerge is uh, like number 38 in the Shazam charts Mm -hmm. in Australia. And I was like, okay. I was like, 38 sounds like uh, not unbelievable to me. And Shazam charts? I was like, what's a Shazam chart? You know? But apparently it's a really big deal because it's people are Shazamming. They want to know what it is. They want to know what it it is. Yeah, yeah. That started on Wednesday and she was emailing me and she was like, no, this is a big deal. You yeah. need to like, you need to call the label right now. There needs to be a reissue, like something's happening. Right. And I was like, oh, well, it was in this TV show. And then over the following week or two, it just started to explode on the Shazam charts. Right. Where it was number one in LA. It was number one in New York. It was top 10 Paris, top 10 Madrid. It was number 20. It was like in like in the top 10 or top 20 of the world. Right. So people were freaking out. So then there was a big rush to re-release and do remixes and, you know, do a repackage and a remastering and blah, 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 blah. And then basically a release date was set and it happened like the Friday that Black Lives Matter started. Mm -hmm. So the re-release was like not important right? at that point. Sure. But did that whole process help you to feel a little bit more like yourself? I mean, it definitely was really a good thing to happen at that point in time when, you know, everyone was asking me like, who was I? What did I do? And (laughs) did I do anything other than like go to Brazil and tan? Right. Also, when it doesn't seem like there's any kind of work opportunities happening and, exactly. and, and the presidential campaign is splintering and yeah, all that. Yeah, exactly. All that. Now so had, it was good time. It was that was quite fortuitous this year. I actually forgot about it. And you have had a lot of ups and downs, severe swings. Severe. <laughs> severe. This year, this year has been the craziest year. Of, of many crazy years that you've had. Like the thing that happened with the person that I can't talk about. And sure. then... <laughs> Some of you might know who that is, maybe. And then yeah. the thing that... Then the breakup of my, you know, performance project of 20 years. Right. And, who you had to... Your partner you had to actually distance from. Yes, uh, we're still publicly. we're having to, we're still in conflict and mitigation and litigation and all that. Can you speak to the specific thing that you had to post about on Instagram where Warren had said something? Oh, I'm not I'm not even going to I don't want to uh, yeah, no comment. Okay. Well, no. folks, detect- I'm going to let him dig his own grave. Well, detectives out there, just uh, go have a search, you'll find it. Yeah, exactly. Not my problem. Um So there's yeah, you guys aren't exactly chummy anymore. Yeah. No, not at all. But it's fine. I mean, I'm busy. It's like, I don't, yeah. it's, I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just kind of always focused on the new work or the new thing. Yeah. And so I've already been working for years without him. So right. it's not any kind of great loss. Sure. Um, and you seem to have been at kind of at odds with each other for a while in terms of yeah, the work yeah. anyway. So for sure. I would say, I would say that for me, our breakup happened in the middle of the Sir release, and I would say that it happened in um, like March of 2018. Right, so you've had a lot of time to process. So it's already been like over. And then I did a performance where I shaved my head and destroyed kind of a persona that I had built for that album. Right. And that was really like, 
that performance was not titled Fisher Spooner. That was titled Casey Spooner. And it was called um, Deinstall, Destroy, Dismantle. Mm -hmm. So that was really like the moment where I took back, in a way, I feel like I took back my identity as an individual. Yeah. How long during the pandemic was it until you had sex with someone? Oh, let's see. Because we we were talking earlier about that was uh, okay. The you of- really t- took me for from uh, a <laughs> what's my process to uh, did you get any? Um, well, I feel like that's part of the artistic process as well, and it's also part of uh, us maintaining our identities. And the absence of that, yeah. which is not something that you would say even on your like slowest times, would be something that you were used to, right? That kind of drought, and even though it's a self imposed drought, because you mentioned earlier before we were taping that you hadn't had actual physical contact of any kind yeah. with anyone for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, it was when I came to LA within like the first 10 days, mm-hmm. there was a young man that I had had pre- a existing um, affiliation affiliation with. And so it was very planned. Sure. You know? Well, you kind of have to do that now. It's got to be a little more planned, planned and tested and, you know, uh, every everything was like very controlled sure yeah structure when normally there wasn't well he was also living with his parents and so because in the pandemic so he didn't want to expose them and da, 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 da. of so course we had to be very cautious about any or or expose himself uh, there's a funny thing now where people say well i i don't mind but it's just i'm concerned about my family where it's okay to say i don't want to get sick too yeah true yeah but we can get back to process i just felt that the sex thing was integral to the whole process what with the only fans and your work in general is very sexual and it's kind of a piece of your persona right i know it's weird i think people think i'm good <laughs> having more sex than i am <laughs> that's know? that's not bad though it's better than them thinking the opposite i guess it's true yeah except when i'm like no i really need to get laid and they're like no you probably don't and i'm like no i do <laughs> believe it or not don't be fooled by like a photograph. I was like, the, the, it didn't happen. You know, like I have not had sex with Kyle Cooperus. Right. You know. And then you went from that long uh, deprivation period into making. Hanging out with porn stars. Yeah, exactly. Who won't sleep with me. <laughs> yeah. Great. It was like the perfect antidote. <laughs> Just ramps up the appetite with no No, uh, I am like, so I'm ready to like get a damn boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm off. I'm ready to like, you know. When was the last time you had a boyfriend? Uh, long, well, I mean, hmm. It's been uh, it's been like four years. Mm-hmm. Did you have regular affiliations in that, that time? I, I suppose there's like some repeat customers, <laughs> you know, but it's really hard for me because I was traveling so much. Sure. So being here, this is the longest I've stayed in one place in maybe three years. Wow. And you have no plans on going elsewhere, right? This is it for a while? Well, I mean, I keep making plans and then they don't happen. Um, but this is kind of awesome, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is a great place to be in quarantine. Yeah. Um, you can isolate. There's, you know, there's a yard. There's plenty of room. I feel like I can socialize with people. You right. Know? You're in cars. You're kind of, there's nature. There's plenty of, like, I can go hiking. I can go to the beach. Right. It's very easy to kind of exist. I mean, I'm not crazy about cars and I'm I'm I prefer living in towns where I can walk. Yeah. So I think that my favorite places that I've lived have been New York, Paris, and Rio because mm-hmm. they're all walking towns. Sure. 
So I kind of get cagey a bit in LA and I'm really happy when I take a lime and, or I go just like for a walk around Hollywood. And if I'm walking, I'm fine. If I'm like listening to music and walking, I'm fine. How often do you do that in the week? I mean, I should be doing it more, um, but you know, I can walk to the Hollywood Reservoir, which is like stunning. And I was going there a lot in the springtime. And then I don't know, I should do it more. This weird, you do f- get kind of like in your house here, sure, and you don't, you know, you isolate even when you isolate even when people aren't isolating, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know. And I miss the gym. Mm-hmm. Like I really miss gyms. Is there any way to work out around here besides walking? Or? I mean, I just, I know it should be like from body weight workouts. Blah, blah, blah. Well, but I mean, there's like, a lot of things that we feel like we're supposed to be like. Well, no, I'm doing this, this, and this. I'm being very, very right. Oh on no, with what I'm, I'm do- not doing shit or anything. I'm like, I'm. I feel like I'm totally atrophying. I was doing really good when we had the Chateau gym, and then I joined. I was going to this other gym called Indigo, and it was like private and you scheduled and it was safe and blah 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 but then it just felt a little like it's so it's so much work to like drive there and schedule and clean the equipment and and then i joined another gym that uh a friend of ours family owns undefeated and that gym was amazing and i went there for two weeks and it was more like it's in silver lake and there were nfl football players training there Mm -hmm. and that was like you can have your whole WeHo faggotry. <laughs> I will be training with NFL football players. Sure. Like that was incredible to see these like amazing athletes that were, st- it was just like spectacular training yeah. to witness. And then that gym closed and then I got really depressed for like two weeks and it didn't do anything. And then I found an illegal gym and joined that one that was open. I love that there's an illegal gym. It was an illegal gym in WeHo, and uh, I joined that one on a Friday, worked out there twice. Friday was packed, and Cindy was kind of nervous, and then I went back on Saturday, and it was chill. And then uh, by Monday, they were shut down. Right. So I've been through three, four gyms, and, you know, I don't know. I, I, I want to, I don't know. It's like... I need the kind of like performance social aspect of the gym to get motivated sometimes. And so it's like, even if I had a squat rack and a set of dumbbells in the backyard, I just don't know. Right. The motivation wouldn't be quite the same because it feels the same. What's like the holidays this year are going to be the weirdest that anyone's ever had. Weird. Hopefully the weirdest, you know what I mean? Ideally the weirdest uh, uh, in anyone's life. And I think that, just like the working out, all the trappings are not going to be there. Yeah. And I think it's going to be more difficult for people to either feel any kind of holiday spirit if they did normally. Yeah. Uh, and, and also have it not be maybe a depressing reminder of the uh, difficulty of everything. Yeah, I know it's tough because also it's like, how do we interact with our families when we're told to not interact with people and social distance and travel is being dangerous and pandemic numbers are going up. And Right, right now it's the highest it's ever been yeah. today, I think. Yeah, great. <laughs> but you know there's there's positive things to look at like the election you know we wanted to make sure we got this out before the election oh god get i, I feel like the mood this week especially is very i cannot i cannot define like the ennui the, i cannot define the ennui 
I can't. And cause so I feel like we've done pretty good at like socializing in like small and contained ways within like a, you know, a bubble of people going in like safe ways. And all of a sudden this weekend, like I could not find anything to do. Mm-hmm. No, no one was around. It just felt like where is everyone and what is going on? And everyone's just like super quiet and super closed down, closed down and just white knuckling yeah. until we get past this election. And I'm definitely dealing with, I did today at the kitchen feel like I was, had the, potential of a panic attack Uh like i don't i'm i had when i first got to la i was really excited about like smoking weed and hanging out with fags and being chill yeah and you know sure enough i had a friend come over and we did a little bit of mushrooms and i thought oh my god finally i'm like gonna get laid and do some drugs and i did a little bit of mushrooms on this terrace out here a lovely terrace a perfect setting you would think Amazing, perfect place to do. And a little bit, I was like, I'm a lightweight. Don't give me, like, give me half of something. Whatever you're doing to give me half. Yeah. And I did it, and I immediately felt, like, complete panic. Sure. And then uh, I basically was, like, just told my friend, I was like, I need to get in the bed, and you need to lay on top of me. Yeah. Like, that's, I cannot, I cannot be standing. I cannot be sitting up. (laughs) I need to get in the bed, and I need you to just lay on me. Yeah, because also mushroom terror is a very specific terror. It's very weird. And then I was like, I used to like to smoke smoke coffee. Smoke coffee and drink (laughs) weed. You were into a lot of things. I was into smoking coffee and drinking weed. I usually like to, like, drink coffee, (laughs) smoke a little weed, and lift weights. And like yeah. that is like my zone. And sure enough, I went with my friend Mikey. We went to the gym and I hit his weed pen. I did a set of squats and I immediately had like the most intense and irrational panic attack. It was yeah. really like post traumatic stress that was somehow repressed in my body. And when I went through this physical activity, it was released. Yeah. And the only way I could describe it, it was just like a detached cloud of panic. Yeah. And I could not rationalize where the panic was coming from right. or how to calm down. And thankfully, my friend had studied psychology and I just walked up to him and I was like, Mikey, I am having a panic attack and I feel like I'm about to run out the front door yeah. and just run into the parking lot and just start, Just I feel like I'm having some kind of like weird flight terror sure Total and he meltdown. was like calm down you need to breathe focus blah, blah, blah. so when i first got here i was like no marijuana no drugs no i cannot do anything yeah you know or it's gonna set me off and then today cooking at the homeless shelter i was just stirring zucchini in the pot and all of a sudden i was like i'm i feel like i might have like some detached panic like I literally thought I was like, I'm going to put the spoon down and I'm walking out the door. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going. Or I don't know what's happening, but I th- I feel like I have to start running. Mm-hmm. So there'll be these moments. So this week is, you know, I mean, the way I've been dealing with it is to, by making art. Yeah. And really, thank God I'm an artist because the people that I know that have jobs that have lost their jobs and they don't have any focus in their whole infrastructure of the way they think and run their lives is in decay. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, 
because of what I do and being an artist and having to survive, having limited resources, having to deal with problems, having to deal like. And having the history of overcoming almost insurmountable circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, I'm actually, I'm kind of okay because I, and it gives me a way to process things that are happening to me. And so, um, I mean, I'm really proud of the music video that we made for The Most American Thing. It's totally incredible. And it was literally just me, Cindy, Ned, and Frederick. And we got in a car and drove to Joshua Tree Mm -hmm. and went and met some friends. They had a motorcycle. And I literally was like, I really see this image of me in this ball gown on a motorcycle. And, you know, it happened. Yeah. With no budget, no label, no manager, no team, no plan. Yeah. Like literally just because we all want to make something and we're, I think we're all trying to find ways to occupy our time. And express yourself. And express ourselves. So I do think we are going to witness some amazing artistic output because now we actually have something to talk about and reflect on and react to. and Well, and also trauma to process. And trauma to process. So I think we're actually going to live through probably one of the most profound and incredible artistic moments. And ideally, once we're on the other side of this thing and by the White House. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, given that, 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 of course, that is a piece of it. But once we're on the other side of all this stuff, I think also there's going to be a, a, a wider or rather a more sophisticated understanding of things like trauma, PTSD, anxiety, et cetera, yeah. amongst everyone, yeah. not just people who have been skilled in the art of dealing with anxiety, yeah. et cetera, for years. Yeah. And because I think every single person is now realizing what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was a pretty chill person, I would say, up until about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was about this time last year when all the crazy business stuff was happening with that person that, you know, with that, well, with, uh, there was also the breakup with Fisher and the other drama with the other person and yeah. then trying to make an album cause I was trying to get this idea done and feeling like time was running out. So anyway, there was many mitigating factors. And actually, in, I think our first chat was a little over a year ago. So it was in July last year uh, at the Bataclan. No, our first chat was in New York. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Come you're on. right. Listen, hey, look. It's I brought a you pandemic. a sandwich and everything. I know. And I've talked about that uh, again. You <laughs> brought me a lovely sandwich, chicken salad. Yeah, oh, that was good. That was really good. No, that was that's right. So I mixed up the two things. That was 4th of July, right before 4th of July. And that was in New York. Yeah. Uh, and But and when we were talking about the later stages of the album was at the Bataclan in September. That's correct. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that seem like a different world completely? <laughs> I know. So we did that Bataclan interview and performance, and then pretty much the like within the next week or so, I went to Berlin for the weekend for yeah. three days to work on one song, and um, then I ended up extending, writing more songs, meeting this amazing producer, Julian Stetter. Uh, I met this incredible engineer, um, Pierre Voigt, I think that's how you say his name. And all of a sudden it was like people started sending me like tracks and um things were you were in the flow. Things it was were, crazy. Yeah. So I went to work on one song and then I ended up staying basically for two months and making a whole album. Right. Which was and I'm still have all that material, which is cool because some of it is more political and more timely. So I'm pushing to get the more political 
works released, but then there are other pieces that are a little bit more, you know. Less um, tied to the times? No, they're still tied to the times. Less whatever. They're they're not... uh, They're less something. They're they're less something and more something else, so they can wait. (laughs) They're more universal. Yeah. Maybe. That'd be a good review of an album. This is less like this one thing and kind of like... This is less... (laughs) This is not not relevant, but it's also... It's not irrelevant. Not as relevant. (laughs) It is political, but it's not political in the way that you mean when you say something's political. (laughs) Yeah. It's imbued with politics. Yeah, I mean... uh, But then everything's politics. Everything (laughs) is politics. It's true. That's true. I didn't realize that. Is that Studs Terkel who said that? I never realized everything was politics, Mm. but it really is. And of course, you're voting for Biden-Harris? Absolutely, 1,000%. I'm sending in all my absentee ballots. You have multiples. That's I good. do actually have two. <laughs> <laughs> they sent me two, um, but I will only submit one. I'm not going to break the law. Right. No, you're I'm actually so nervous about it. Uh, Cindy is going to New York. I'm going to give her my absentee ballot, and she's going to drop it off in New York. Okay. I was planning to go to New York, but... I don't know. I just, um, I don't have the money. And so I think I'll just stay in Hollywood. Sure. Uh, This is a very nice setup. This is also my first in-person chat for the podcast in many, many, many months. It's all been Zooms and everything. So this Uh, is really nice. Yeah. 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 I can't get into the Zoom thing. Really? Mm Mm-mm. I, I mean, I kind of have to because yeah. otherwise there's no taping. I don't like it as much as in person because, it's, you know, you can sense the other person's energy and you're yeah. actually sitting looking at one another. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. Uh, with Zoom, you're thinking about the lighting and the, this and the, that. You know, yeah. there are nice side benefits in that you have video captures of the chat so you can use as a promo, you know, and, and right. all that sort of stuff. Right. But uh, it'd be nice to, when we can get back. We could have Zoomed and been in the same room. That's true. Maybe next time we'll do that. But um, I don't know. You might get feedback or something. But then you would have the video. Or, duh, we just set up a camera and you're... Wait, but then we made a TV show. Right. 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 Um, but, or we could do the Zoom and just mute... Oh, so listen, I have a new idea. Oh, I want to hear I'm it. already your, on yeah. to what I'm going to do after I lose the campaign. Okay, terrific. After I lose the election. You need a next step built in. This, this is, is good. the thing I was trying to get to that I forgot about. Is that... Um, so when I couldn't be in Paris for the show... the setting up the campaign headquarters. And the idea for the Paris show was that there were going to be kind of three distinct themes, the theme of entertainment, politics, and news. Sure. So one wall of the gallery was going to be set up as a step and repeat. Okay. So the 2020 graphic was going to be printed and as if you were like doing the red carpet. Right. So when people came to the gallery, we could pose in front of it and take pictures and shoot it like Getty images, stock, you know, like event. Yeah. Then one wall was going to be set up as a, a news desk. So very like BBC, CNN, Fox, you know, overlit, glossy video background, had an amazing filmmaker do this incredible slow motion flag footage in the rain and the rain turns into a spectrum. And so it's a rainbow. So it's kind of like the gay news flag storm, (laughs) you know, network. And then I was going to be live broadcasting every day from the news desk in Paris um, and then the third wall was going to be kind of like a hybrid between campaign headquarters and an artist studio. And that's where all the different contributing artists who had done different portraits, deadlines, advocacy, sort of like all the planning of everything happening in headquarters was going to be the third wall. 
So anyway, obviously can't do any of those things. Yeah. And um, so instead now what I've decided to do is set up my own news channel broadcasting from Hollywood. Mm. So as soon as, now that the single's done and once we get past, I ha- I should probably start building it this week, but, and I don't know what to call it. I haven't named, you know, usually, but I can tell this is the thing when I had the idea to run for president two years ago. Sure. Now, of course, this is what I do after I lose the campaign. I become a, like a newscaster. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to start to figure out, and I really like, I'm so tired of myself as a central figure. Um, that I'm really excited about all the other people that can be different newscasters. Sure, and you can be floating in and out as floating you see fit. Floating in and out, whatever. It's and it's it's just like an amazing. And also, if we're going to be in pandemic and lockdown, and you have to do sort of like online centric, you know, performance. Yeah. Then what better than to set up like a news desk and invite different people to come in and react to current events or do performances or speak or yeah. You know, and then you can have your performances dotted in and around all the um, yeah. The new so that's stuff. this week. I got to figure out how to launch. A, sure, uh, you might have to get into Zoom. I don't. I don't. If I'm not feeling Zoom, I'm not. Well, I'm just, but you can just say our special correspondent beaming in via satellite. I think that adds a little bit of a charm to it. I guess I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know what the. You know, I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know what the format or the broadcast system or what it'll be. But there's a news, a news, a new news network is coming. Oh, fantastic! Well, yeah. I look forward to further developments on that. Congratulations on the OnlyFans. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, no, it's, I'm, it's that's a genuine thing I'm saying. You know? Oh yeah? Like, yeah, I mean it is pretty not, cool. I mean, I am. Do you think I'm goofing on it? No, you, no, no, no. I just I'm surprised you single that out over like all the other things. Well, I wasn't done. Did you hear the oh. cadence of my voice? I was like, congratulations okay. on the right. OnlyFans, the continuation <laughs> of the presidential campaign in less than ideal circumstances, and also the continuing. Uh, effort to change people's uh to wake people up to certain things yeah yeah thank thank you you're welcome now is there <laughs> anything else that you'd like to talk about in our chat mm, i don't know i think we covered everything i think we did too sex politics music art performance sure drugs we got the mushroom thing drugs, in there yeah drugs of panic anxiety yeah i found a i had a bad mushroom time but I also had a great time when I That's took acid. That's a great title. Bad mushroom, Bad mushroom time. time. <laughs> it is good. It is good. <laughs> I had a lovely time taking acid and watching all the Death Wish films, though, which was very strange because it was, oh. it was at the, like two, three months in the pandemic thing. I was losing my mind. Yeah. And I couldn't sleep. And so I was like, I want an 80s movie. And I just found that anything with the Canon logo, I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I weirdly watched a bunch of Bronson and Chuck Norris films. Ooh. Really right wing grim yeah. films but for some reason watching these cartoon horrible films mm-hmm. did the trick at the time and weirdly acid works well uh with really those. i can't do i can't do super hardcore hallucinogenics i'm already too my imagination is too much well you know i only discovered acid around christmas time so i'm kind of new to that but i enjoyed it also i watched the entire cagney and lacy during this time all the things you've listed sounds so wildly depressing to me <laughs> Like horrible. I'm like, I know. What what are you going to say next? You're like, you're into like watching Walking Tall, and (laughs) you know what's that terrible like Southern detective TV show? Oh, uh, Oh, God, not Simon and Simon. No, Uh, I'm like, can't we get some Dynasty up in here? Well, listen, that's what I did for Christmas a couple years ago. I watched the entirety of Dynasty. In a strange way, watching these really grim, uh, particularly Cagney and Lacey, they're police. 
right? Yeah. Watching that at the height of the unrest and everything, it was a strange way, I think, to process what was going on yeah. with a, sort of a, a, a fable from years ago where they did talk about the latest issues in the papers, yeah. you know, um, misogyny, racism, yeah. and so on. Yeah. But it because it was distanced by 30 years, roughly, yeah. It was easier to uh, process that. And now I'm not in that mode now. The last thing I watched was, um, I can't remember what the last thing was I watched because I've been taping a lot of shows. But um, I've definitely returned to watching more uplifting fare, mm, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I've become really preoccupied with um, silent film. Interesting. In 20s Hollywood because this house that I'm in now built in 1923, then I've been hanging out at the Paramore estates built in 1923 yeah and the hollywood sign built in 1923 sure so there's something about and also i really do think that silent film and early cinema is probably the most american invention right which i love that it's like this mix of like vaudeville because it's so related to pantomime yeah and lon chaney was such a successful actor because his parents had been deaf and so he had learned to pantomime. Wow. And so that was one of the reasons why he was such a successful performer in silent film. And I love the weird architecture that's all fake European. Yeah. And even like this house feels like the living room is like set up as it's like more like a stage. Sure. And a set piece. And the same for the Paramore. It's all like I'm sort of like immersed in the tropes that feel like the basis for Sunset Boulevard. Right. Right. So there's kind of like, that's been my sort of escapist. Aesthetic. Aesthetic. is like digging into this classic Hollywood 20s silent film. And then sound starts in 1927 and then everything shifts and people's careers collapse. And this house was built by Orville Caldwell. Who's that? He was a silent film star. Oh, okay. But Did- all of his films are lost. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. there's so much film that was lost because they couldn't preserve it. And, and also, they didn't think to preserve it. A lot of yeah. the times, they just thought it was old garbage. It wasn't really until like the 70s and Martin Scorsese's initiatives. Oh, where really? They, uh, yeah, he did a lot for film preservation. And his, uh, he has some And Institute. I love Precode. Oh, okay, yeah. So pre- explain Precode for folks who are, aren't familiar with that. Uh, there was a moralities code that was set up in Hollywood. I can't remember when. I feel like it was 1928. And this is before the rating system and everything. Yeah, Yeah. or the 30s. And then there were very specific things about sexuality and politics and violence that were mandated. And the pre-code films are really crazy because they're violent and sexual and explicit and political in ways that are, you know... Totally exciting to and how. interesting and yeah. relevant and almost shocking because they're from an era where you wouldn't imagine based yeah. on our understanding of uh, older films which yeah might exactly not be so robust yeah it's if they feel more contemporary than film that ha- comes after sure the codes are put in place okay here we go let's i mean we should just read this okay yeah. pre-code hollywood was the brief era in the american film industry between the widespread adoption of sound and pictures in 1929 yeah sorry i was wrong 29 well, you were close and the enforcement of the motion picture production code censorship guidelines popularly known as the hayes code in mid-1934 so basically from 29 to 34 but a silent film was already had all these themes that were more illicit and wild 
Um, although the code was adopted in 1930, oversight was poor and it did not become rigorously enforced until July 1st, 1934, with the establishment of the Production Code Administration, PCA. Before that date, movie content was restricted more by local laws, negotiations between the Studio Relations Committee and the major studios and popular popular opinion then by then by strict adherence to the Hayes code which was often ignored by hollywood filmmakers um as a result some films in the late 20s and early 30s depicted or implied sexual innuendo romantic and sexual relationships between white and black people mild profanity illegal drug use promiscuity prostitution, infidelity, abortion, intense violence, and homosexuality. Okay, those are the things that we need to make sure we cover. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nefarious characters were seen to profit from their deeds, in some cases without significant repercussions. For example, gangsters in films like The Public Enemy, Little Caesar, and Scarface were seen by many as heroic rather than evil. Strong female characters were ubiquitous in such pre-code films as female, babyface, and red-headed woman. Along with featuring stronger female characters, films examined female subject matters that would not be revised, revisited until decades later in U.S. films. Many of Hollywood's biggest stars, such as Clark Gable, Betty Davis, Barbara Stanwyck, Joan Blondell, and Edward G. Robinson, got their start in the era. Other stars who excelled during this period, however, like Ruth Chatterton, who decamped to England, and Warham William, the so-called king of pre-code, who died in 1948, would wind up essentially forgotten by the general public within a generation. Um, what you mentioned also about the sound era kicking in and how everything changed yeah, uh, totally for people. It's an interesting thing that we're made aware of now with the world situation that things can change so... Uh, intensely. Yeah, intensely in such a short period of time. Although with this, I think, unlike the... Uh, the silent film actors who were discovered to have horribly aggravating voices, I think we're going to be getting back to some sort of Well, that's normalcy. a cliche that came up that I never fully understood that's like in Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Because Singing in the Rain shows them going from oh, okay. silent to spoken and yeah. the actors' ter- voices are terrible. Um, yeah. Right. And so it's yeah. interesting that some people can make the transition and some people can't. Right. And so that really does feel like the 20s, like the notion, like the whole basis of like american hollywood is really happens in night or 1918 to 1929 right so it's like there's just a decade and that's when the sign is built and all this architecture and this boom happens in los angeles and this the just the notion of glamour sure is right created created and so I feel like it's some kind of, I didn't realize it, but somehow me ending up in Hollywood accidentally and that I'm already dealing with like politics and glamour and entertainment. Sure. That I somehow, even though I wanted to be in Paris or I wanted to be in Berlin or I wanted to be in Rio, the right place for me to be was actually in Hollywood. Right. Exactly. Well, I think that's a perfect place to close on. Yeah. So thanks so much for having me over to uh, your place. No problem. You can come to Villa Ivorine anytime. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I will take you up on that offer. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, until next time, Casey. Thank you very much. 
Once again, what are you going to do? You're going to vote blue. You already have voted blue. You're celebrating having voted blue. And now we're getting ready to celebrate Biden and Harris taking over the White House and our national nightmare ending. All right. Head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and friends. Sign up. I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. 